This is the Jason Kavnis Experience, hosted by Jason Kavnis. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. The Jason Cavendish Experience is brought to you by Triple Summit Advisors. Triple Summit Advisors brings a passion for value investing and practical financial planning strategies. Triple Summit Advisors helps clients at all stages of life, from those just starting their careers to retirees, with a focus on young professionals who want their financial lives to be more than just earning and spending. Triple Summit Advisors provides financial planning and investment management for clients because those tools are essential to achieving personal goals, whatever they may be. They practice what they preach and believe in having skin in the game. They invest alongside of the clients and are collectively one of their firm's largest clients. Triple Summit Advisors share strategies, knowledge, and perhaps even a little wisdom that will help their clients gain control of their financial lives, grow wealthier, and sleep more soundly at night. To learn more, go to www.triplesummitadvisors.com. This episode of the Jason Cavendish Experience is a replay of when I was a guest on the Veterans of Thin podcast. Hosted by Robin Grable. Hello, and welcome to our Veterans Ascend podcast. Today, we are honored to speak with Jason Cabinets. Jason is a retired U.S. Army officer, served for 25 years including eight years as an enlisted member. He is currently the CEO founder of Cabinus HR. Cabinus HR delivers HR to U.S. companies with 49 or fewer people through a voice-enabled AI platform along with an HR business partner. Jason also hosts the Jason Cabinus Experience, where he talks to small business owners, founders, and other interesting people. He is also the Seattle City Leader for Bunker Labs, is a Master's in Human Relations from the University of Oklahoma, and is SPHR certified. We are privileged to talk with Jason today, hear about his service in the Army, going from enlisted to an officer, his HR journey, and why he created Cabinus HR. Jason, thank you so much for your time today. Looking forward to this. So, I, I love that you uh, you put in there that you talk to other interesting people. I think that's I, I love that that <laughs> statement there. But um, and then uh, we've got some other great things to talk about as well. But first, let's uh, tell tell us about your service in the Army. You started out enlisted and became an officer, which is something I had wanted to do while I was in the Navy. So tell us about that decision and the journey. Yes, Robin. First, thanks for having me on here, and thanks for all the value you bring to our community. I just really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, for the military journey, you know, I started off as, a, as an enlisted. I did this this eight years. I was what's called adjutant general, which is basically HR, HR. And I had, a, I had my bachelor's degree, so I was in for four years. Got out of my bachelor's degree and then went back into enlisted for some reason. Why to go to RGC or OCS at first? I have no idea. But went back to enlisted. It was just a simple effect, you know, like. One day I was like working, you know, and I was like, man, I have a bachelor's degree and I'm here like taking out trash and stuff, right? And I'm nothing wrong with that. I didn't know, you know, but I just, I knew there's something more for me, right? And I know I had some, some pretty good mentors at the time who like told me like, you know, motivate me to do more. And another big factor too, like being selfish, 
not not just like the pay responsibility, but it's like a long term. If you look for the retirement pay for enlisted retirement officer, like it's not even close, right? So economically, everything else is like, man, why why not go officer? Like it, it makes no sense not to do this, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Makes sense what you're saying. So, yeah. And I, I when I went up for LDO in the Navy, limited duty officer, um, it, it was more for me, it was about um, I kept hearing that, you know, that's the way we've always done it. That's the way we'll always do it. And I thought, well, if I become an officer, maybe I can change the Navy. So <laughs> that was my yeah. big uh, and, dream. And, and one, one thing about being an officer, you know, officer has more pay, more responsibility, more, you know, it's this thing like this is better, right? But I tell you, right, there's many days also I wish I could have gone back and been enlisted or been E4, right? Because like, there's <laughs> yeah. a political crap you got to put on with as an officer. Even a junior right? officer is like, it's just, it's like, yeah, like, man, I wish I was just E4, no responsibility. And the Army used to call the E4 Mafia, right? <laughs> you know, we wish I could go back to those days. There you go. So there's definitely a cost to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. A cost and reward for everything, right? Uh, awesome. Yes, well, yes. Ties into, so your personal motto is be great every day. What does that mean to you and why is it your motto? I mean, of course, you know, can you really be great every day? Uh, probably not. You know, everyone has bad days, you know, even if you give hundred percent every day, you know, your hundred percent every day is going to be different, right? Cause you might be, you might feel sad or you might be hurt. So to me, to me, it means like, you know, add value every day, like make someone's life better, like, you know, solve a problem. Just do your best, you know, con contribute something to society. Maybe something that's holding the door for, for someone, right? Or being nice or, you know, helping someone out, right? So just be great every day. Do your best to make our world a better place as best you can on that day is what it really means to me anyway. But it can mean different things to different people. Yeah. And, and, my, motto, and it's my motto just because of like way back in the day when I first got on social media and doing emails and stuff. I seen everyone like you know, like a, you know, like a model, some kind of saying like "be remarkable, do this." Whatever. I mean, I, like maybe I need one too. I kind of brand myself right. So part of it came also from like wanting to brand myself with a with, a, with a something to say, right? That was probably two way back, like five six years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it definitely means things to different people, and and you're right. Everybody, um, you know, wakes up in the morning and says, "I'm going to give a hundred percent," but today it may mean something different than it does tomorrow, and and uh, so that's great. Well, well, good for you. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, yeah, some days, some days doing hundred percent might be just this guy out of getting out of bed on the day, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into the heart of it. So you, you have a lot going on. You, uh, you've got your own kind of podcast there. You talk to small business founders and other interesting people. I love that. Um, you're also part of Bunker Labs, which is a great organization for uh, veteran entrepreneurs. Uh, but tell us about Cabinus HR. What does it mean to be a remote, diverse, and transparent company that delivers HR? through a voice-enabled AI platform. Obviously, with, with uh, Veterans Ascend being an AI uh, talent sourcing program, I'm super interested to hear how you've uh, used AI uh, for HR. So tell us all about it. Yeah, so for remote, I mean, I mean, this is 2021, right? Remote is just, you know, like, you know, old school ways of working. And, and tell me, Ron, there's some jobs you can't be remote, right? You know, keep your nurse, doctor, or operating on people, like, or doing a tow truck company can be remote. But I think stats show that, you know, every, like for every 40 hours you work in the office, you probably only do maybe 15, 20 hours of work, right? You're like, you're on Facebook, you're talking to people, you're walking around. So are, are you really doing 40 hours of work, in that, you know, in a place, right? But, you know, a lot of, you know, 
old school people are calling like they want somebody right there so they can look at them doing the work all the time, right? Kind of control them, right? And yeah. and my thing is like if if you're remote, you give people more freedom to do what they got to do. And if, if you're remote, it's, it should be based more like what they're doing. Are they doing the job right? So personally, like if I get someone something to do, I don't care if they do it four in the morning, four in the afternoon, right? It doesn't right. get it done. And plus, by remote work, you people build up flexibility, right? So if you're like a parent, you can maybe go see your kid's baseball game at two in the afternoon. Or maybe you want to, you know, fly to Vegas Wednesday and Thursday, right? I mean, it gives people more options, right? And more benefits for remote. And this opens up more. And people say, well, I don't want to be remote work because if I give remote work too much freedom, they're going to take advantage of it and do the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. My thing has always been, well, if that's the case, you, you probably need to relook your hiring process, right? Right. Because if you're hiring, hiring people, you're, you're worried about, you know, cheating the system and taking advantage of you then you're probably not hiring the right people. And that's a whole different, uh, that's probably a whole different conversation, right? Yeah. But I mean, remote work is a way to go. And on my podcast, I, I talk about this all the time, right? So backtrack a little bit. So Amazon just put out an email to the, the workers that got leaked or maybe it was puppy news. And where it says, I'm paraphrasing here, hey, we're not going back to remote work anytime soon. However, comma, just a reminder, Amazon, we are an office-centric company. We really been together, been collaborative, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we will be going back to office at some time. You know, so there's no start getting no plan of that, right? And my question would be like, for Amazon, all the other companies, right? You know, I think people have proven they can work from remote, remotely from home and do a great job. And stats are showing they pretty much, you know, increase that productivity, increase ROI. And so the companies are going to say, hey, you know, COVID's over, you know, knock on wood, COVID's over, come back to work. Are people going to say, hey, hold on a minute, like, you, I proven I can do better at my house or somewhere else. You want me to now go back to the you know one hour drive each way, work in a cubicle, you know all the negative stuff. I think it's going to be interesting. I never going to be people forced to go back to work, right? How right. That, how's that going to turn out? And then for diverse, for diverse, you know, diverse can mean different things to different people, right? Uh, and I think everything can be diverse. I mean, I, I think no matter how diverse you think your team is, there's something they all have in common. And no matter how common your team is, I think they have some diverse in there, right? I mean, stats show, you know, not not the, like the social impact stuff, but the stats show that if your team is diverse, they outperform non-diverse teams like Canada Foot, right? Like, it's, it's not even close, right? Yeah. And so, I did, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, like some people don't like saying diversity of thought, but I think there's, there's diversity of thought. You got to think differently and all the other things, right? And, and the and thing with diversity, I mean, a lot of companies, they'll say like, well, we're we're trying to be diverse, but they keep on recruiting the same place, right? Like if you keep on going to like recruit from a college that's nine ninety percent white, I mean, what do you think, right? You got to go to right. you know different places and different ideas, right? And maybe everyone on your team doesn't have like a bachelor's degree from the University of Texas. Maybe you bring in somebody from uh, historically black college university. Maybe you bring someone without a degree, and so you just got to do that best you can. And of course, you know, people will say well, the, the problem with having a diverse team is like you know communication is harder, collaboration is harder. That's what the manager only just got to, you know, like, you know, do the right thing and, and, and make that better. And then for transparent company, I mean, like I said, it's 2021. You have to be transparent these days, I think, right? Now, for my company, I, I want to be transparent except for one thing. Like, I'm not going to, like, put out everyone's salaries. But we're, we're the plan is to, like, do a range. Like, we might say, you know, James Johnson gets paid from sixty dollars to $80,000, right? So we're not going to, like, exactly say James Johnson gets paid, like, $1,871,200.16, right? But having said that, you know, we all know, I think that employees tell each other they get paid, right? 
and, and I know some companies have these, you know, a rule for you. They can't say that, tell us salaries, but every time it goes, it goes to court, they always rule against the company, right? So right. I think transparency is just the best policy because what better way to let, you know, potential people you're recruiting know what kind of type of company you're going to have by putting out right there. And so I think the company that does that best is a company called Buffer. So Buffer is like a, like a social media platform. They, they compete with HP, the smart queuing. But Buffer, everything is out there. Like even like, I think, I could be wrong. They, they, like, they record their meetings, put their meetings online. Like everything they do, like even email effective from the CEO to the CTO, everything is like public knowledge. It's all on, on for everyone to see, right? Even their calendar wow. everything, right? I mean, that's, and it might be a bit too far, maybe. I don't know, but everything is <laughs> public for Buffer, right? Yeah, but I mean, I, I just want to be a remote, diverse, transparent camera. And for us, we're remote. You know, I'm the Seattle area, right? I mean, software development is kind of expensive here, right? And so it's cheaper for me to go somewhere else, you know, across the nation. And then why, why, um, Pigeon Hill, you stop just in your area, right? So, if you, like, you live in, I don't know, Dallas, Texas. You can only recruit in Dallas, Texas. You have people come to the office. We're being remote. You mean nationwide or worldwide? So I just I think it's open, 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 opens up the talent pool for you that much better. So tell us about your AI uh, voice-enabled uh, platform. What is that? Yeah, so it's, I mean, when I say it, it's pretty simple, but I know it's going to take some years to do it right because AI is kind of complicated. But so basically, you want to use AI to take care of like basic and complicated HR. So basic HR is uh, the small business owner will get on the, on, the, on the app, on the phone and say, Kevin's HR, of course, like he'll sign with some kind of code. We haven't figured that out yet, but he'll sign on. Kevin's HR, I'm thinking about opening a, opening a store in like Dallas, Texas. What's the minimum wage in Dallas, Texas? The app will reply, small business owner, the minimum wage in Dallas, Texas is $7.25. So like basic HR questions, it, it will be able to answer. That's a little more complicated. It'll be Kevin's HR, you know, employee blank, isn't really working out. I'm thinking about letting, letting this person go. What do I need to do to you know, start working this process? The app would say, small business owner, this is outside my scope. Here are some available times for you to talk to or meet with your HR business partner. We would like for me to select one. And so that's the basic premise. But of course, it's like way complicated that you got to do this deep machine learning, machine intelligence, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? That's yeah. probably at least a year away. So you work with companies with less than 49 employees. Uh, kind of there's, um, I've, I've been in HR a long time. So, I mean, I know the answer to this, but for, for our audience out there, what, what are some of the nuances with a company that has less than 50 employees that they don't, you know, maybe don't have to worry about as a bigger company, but then things that they do need to worry about as a small business owner, when you don't think about HR as part of your uh, business plan. Yeah. So the 49 number is, is a reason.
to four. No, it, it wasn't like a random number. So, so in HR, when you hit 50 employees, all that, like I would say, the complicated stuff happens. It's like right. benefits, Obamacare, all that kind of stuff. And, and like hotel companies, like with 25 or 30 people, you don't have to have the benefits, but you're, you're at a different disadvantage if you don't do it right. But it basically came from like trying to, you know, trying to have a niche for now, trying to validate the foreign and your people. And like, you know, you know, being honest with this is like trying to, you know, a little bit being lazy and I want to deal with that 50 above at this, at this point in the company right now. But there is a reason that's why it's 49 or less. And plus, you know, you have to do with FMLA and other items, you know. And most, and, um, and talking about HR, and not to talk about politics, but usually like states are like, we'll say like a liberal, progressive, democratic, really leaning like Washington, California, New York State. They're going to have more HR laws and more laws for keep people 50 or more people, where states like, we'll say, are Republican or conservative, like Texas, like Texas or Kansas or Idaho, we like to have like H, less HR laws, so to speak. And that's another good point, too, I want to bring up. So HR is, is different based on location industry, right? Like HR in Seattle is different from HR in, you know, Dallas, Texas, right? So you got to make sure, you, for HR, you got to follow the federal laws, the state laws, and the state laws. And it's based on location. So example I use, like, you have a company in, headquartered in Dallas where they pay $725 an hour, and you have, like, two people working in Seattle. You can't pay those people in Seattle $725. You got to pay them $1,350 based on location, so you got to be very, very aware of that. Awesome. Well, good. So very exciting. I mean, I, I've, uh, I've worked in HR, as I mentioned, a long time and uh, did some, have done some HR consulting for small businesses as well. And, and you're right there uh, at, at 50 more employees. There's a lot more laws, but there's a lot of things that small business owners don't really um, think about. You know, they with less than forty, you know, forty nine employees. There are still policies and things that they've got to they've really got to work within. So it's great that you've got a service out there now that will will help that segment of the of the world. A lot of small businesses with less than fifty employees. So good for you. So what is your it, best it, advice? It, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so you bring up a good point, right? And so with HR. It, of course, everything you go everything, but HR is like you have to follow this the Department of Labor, Equal Opportunity Commission, you know, safety, OSHA. There's all these organizations, right, who have like completely do compliance at the federal, state, and state level, right? And you got to, you know, keep, you know, keep on top of all this stuff. So it is a lot to be aware of. Absolutely. And it's, it's, there's risks involved in it. Um, you know, bigger companies see HR as maybe a cost center, not a revenue uh, generator or a revenue um, protector. Uh, they just see it as a cost, unfortunately. But for a small business, it really is about having risk management and insurance that you aren't going to violate any of those. I think the last time I saw there's over 163 kind of, you know, human relations laws out there, but um, <laughs> you break one and you can bankrupt your company. I mean, it's, it's yeah, and, crazy. And they add more and they add more every day. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, it really truly is something that small business owners really need to take into account when they're, they're starting their business and uh, growing their business because one wrong move in, you know, Fair Labor Standards Act and you don't pay somebody overtime uh, when they're due overtime and you're, you're sunk. So uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff. So well, well, thank you. So what is your best advice for a small business owner? Uh, so, so, I mean, like, like as an entrepreneur, a small business owner, everyone's going to say, you know, you have to focus on market, you have to focus on sales, you have to focus on HR. Everyone wants you to focus on these like different things, right? You can't do all that all at once. 
but HR, you know, I know it's very important. Like HR covers, like I'll say, your HR person is going to touch every person in your company from the time they get recruited to the time they leave, right? They always involve HR. So HR is very important. And and some items I want to cover, like you did, I know, backtrack a little bit. You talked a little bit about how HR is like, you know, like a, like a money pit, so to speak. And I think what a lot of HR people mess up on is what they'll say, they'll go to the boss, the CEOs, hey, I, we need to do a wellness program. And the CEO will say, well, why? Well, because it'll make employees feel good, right? And that's the mistake right there, right? That's to make it back to money, right? So what they should be saying is, we need to have a wellness program because if we do a wellness program, will decrease the percentage of people smoking and people doing bad things and help them lose weight. And by doing that, it will decrease all health insurance premium, right? And I think a lot of, a lot of HR people don't do that to quick away. They're like, oh, this is a touchy-feely good thing stuff, right? Not taking it, taking it back to money, so to speak. Yeah. And, and or it another, decreases thing about absenteeism, right? So, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. And then another thing about um, an HR advice, one, one thing I would say is this, right? And a lot, a lot of people don't disagree with this, but HR has a lot of rules, but the government does not have enough resources to come inspect every business every day, right? right. Are they inventing an audit you? Yeah, they are, right? But, you know, I think a lot of small business owners are like, man, they're kind of scared. Oh, they're going to come look at me and do this right. They're, they're not right. What usually happens is, like, you fail to pay someone overtime or you do something wrong. Like, like a perfect example, police have an admin person and they have a 30-minute lunch every day. You, they're an hourly worker. And every day they stay at the desk and like, Hey boss, no problem. I'll just stay here. You know, whatever. Right. And everything, you know, peachy keen, unicorns and rainbows. A year later, you don't give her a raise or you don't get the person the promotion. Sometimes right, they get mad at you. So then now they get to year in and then you have to back pay all that labor, all that overtime. Mm-hmm. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when they you know the, the authorities come to like, look at your business for a mistake, or whatever, then they look at everything. Right. Cause I think yes. the theory is you did this one thing wrong. You did everything else wrong. How much money can we make? make right. Coffee, right. Absolutely. So you got to, you know, you got to do things the right way, you know, because I mean, there, I mean, another thing too, I think this people get it wrong. They're like, let's run a family owned business. This isn't your family, right? It's, it's a business, right? Right. And so you got to keep, keep that in mind. And, and for more HR advice, I mean, you got to think, and that's not HR advice, it's doctor advice. I think a lot of people think mess up, mess up too. Like, it's your business, your idea. I think a lot of business, I'm like, oh, you know, my employees are all are not all in with my business. They don't care about it like I am. Well, you know, of course not. You know, I mean, have you given them a percentage of the business? And if you did, they still won't care like you do. You know, it's your baby, so to speak, right? Right. Uh, I think a lot of people get you know caught up in that. You know, absolutely. Uh, you know, or or things like um, you know your personnel records. Um, if you if you get an I nine audit. Uh, and your I, your paper I-9s, which a lot of people don't keep them paper anymore, but if you do, if your paper I-9s are mixed into your personnel file instead of in a separate folder, they can audit your entire personnel folder. Uh, they don't yes. have to just look at the I-9s. So, yeah, there's simple so, as that. yeah, so many things out there that you just aren't aware of and they can just really bite you. So. Um, yeah, so so we're both veterans. Obviously, veterans are near and dear to our hearts. So what is your best HR advice for a small business who wants to hire veterans or military spouses? So this is something that's probably people might, might agree with, right? Because I'll talk to a lot of veterans, like company owners, entrepreneurs, and the first thing they say is, I'm going to hire only veterans. And I'm like, okay, that's all fine and good. However, comma, 
your goal should be to hire the best person for your company, right? Don't get me wrong. Maybe you recruit veterans more and all kind of stuff, but you should write in the net, right? Because there are some veterans out there, you know, like who are not, like I say, I have a friend of mine who says like, we're all not winners, right? And then from my own personal experience, I was in the military, had people work for me who work with me, who I work for, like I would not hire to cut my grass, right? But I, so I, I would just say, you know, hire the best person. Right? Of course, recruit veterans and they'll hire, focus higher on them, but, you know, just keep an open mind. Another thing, too, with, with veterans, I mean, we're, we're different breeds, so to speak, right? We're like most of us, like, you know, A-types, you know, you know, the, what's the stereotype? We're, we're, we're A-types where you have checklists, right. get things done, you know? Like when I, first, I had my first job out of the Army, I worked for a company, and like, man, I don't want to be that, you know, that guy, right? Or that, per, or that girl, like, that take over <laughs> everything, right? So I purposely held back. And like that for the first month, the boss can be, hey, Jason, you did a great job. I need you to do me a favor. I said, yeah, what? I can do whatever you want. Can you like stop doing so much? Like, you know, you know other people complain that you're purposely making them look bad. And I thought <laughs> to myself, I'm, I'm only performing at 30% capacity, right? Like you only right. work day on, day off. Like, you know, and, and another thing too, like we had a meeting and the owner and the boss told somebody to do something. And the guy said, well, I might be able to get to it next month. And like, I almost, almost passed out, right? Like what? Like a month <laughs> later, right? And so just, you know, you know, when you hire a veteran, they're going to like, you know, take charge. They're going to want to like, get involved. They want to do everything right. And they want to get, you know, improve, improve the company. Right. And that, and veterans, for the most part, we're not going to really care, like, you know, hurting people's feelings and like making people look bad. If we're told, hey, we need to do this, it's going to get done regardless of the, you know, ramification, so to speak. Right. Right. Well, our expectations are that the teammate next to us is working at the same level that we are, because that's what happens in the military. It doesn't matter who's to the right or left of you. They're all pulling the same weight and they're all doing the, the job to the, you know, the thousand percent. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I was told by managers that my expectations of other people need to be toned down because no one's going to work as hard yeah. as I do. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard of a lot. And nothing too, you got to, I understand we hire a veteran. Veterans are going to come in there and like in the first two months, they're going to figure everything out. And the mindset right. is going to be, I figured that out in two months. I'm new to this. I really don't know what I'm doing. And I figured it out. I'm performing. What is wrong with these other people? What's, what's going on here, right? Right. So expectation management is definitely a big thing. And then they get frustrated, yeah, because they don't get, they don't see people being performance managed, which is is a confidential thing. You don't ever get to have, be part of those conversations, but the perceptions are that the companies aren't managing those other employees to be accountable or to rise to the level that, that they should be at. Um, and so, you know, I get frustrated and then I don't want to work for this company because if you're not holding people accountable or holding people to, you know, do their jobs, then why should I be here? So that's, that's part of a lot of the, um, the turnover that veterans experience, um, you know, just leads to this is, this is kind of old, but the army times did a study, like I want to say 2015, 2016, away like four or five years ago. And the stats show that I think I'm making this number up, like 75% of veterans have two jobs in the first two years, right? So you get a job, stay a year, quit, and get a second job, and then quit that job, right? And a lot of it, too, is like, you know, like when I'm like mentor military people now, I tell them if you can, you know, basically in the economic situation, take some time off, right? I think too many of us get a job before we get out, you know, because we think we have to, and we take a BS job we want to do, right? So a lot of right. it on the veterans' part, too. And then another thing, like um, with HR, I ask all the time, what's harder? So being HR, military HR, and I always say military HR. Because in the military, 
you know, you get into some kind of eval at least once a year or every time you change bosses. You're going to watch everything. In the military, you know, you're taking care of the families too, right? You got to, you know, you know, Sergeant Sons is moving from, you know, Fort Hood, or, you know, Fort Bragg or, you know, to Bremerton, Washington. You got you to plan all that stuff, right? But if you work for, you know, like, I don't know, Xerox, IBM, you know, you really don't care that, you know, the senior, senior VPs, you know, son is a, is about to be a senior. If the company says he has to move, he's going to move, right? Right. And so all those like personal things are more involved with it, right? So I say it's hard in the military is way harder. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your service in the army and congratulations on your business. This has been just great information to share. We appreciate you sharing your journey and your insights today and wish you much, much continued success with Cavnus HR. And for listeners, uh, for more information on Cavnus HR, go to CavnusHR.com and it's C-A-V-N-E-S-S-H-R.com. And for more information about Veterans Ascent, go to Veterans Ascent. Jason, thank you again. Listeners, thank you. Everybody stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up, don't you know? Pump it up. You've got to pump it up.